0: I was captivated looking at you all and almost forgot to pick up the mic. (laughs) What's interesting about doing that and having the opportunity to just gaze out across all of you all is I get such a strong sense of who and where you are, not just as a group, but individually. And I just want to ask if you're willing to raise your hand to let me know if that is, this is the case, but how many people in this room are really tired? Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm raising my hand for myself. Exhausted. And I'm afraid that my message today may not help replenish you so much as it I hope it will inspire you and look for these other reservoirs of hope that we must always return to. To realize that we are gathered together in community to replenish that reservoir. That we have the tools through our chosen community here our covenanted community, through our shared communities outside of this space, we have what we need to be restored, renewed, replenished, filled with the spirit to continue. And in that spirit, I will share this message with you. It's one that comes out of some conversations we've been having in our worship meetings where we're trying to get to a place of peace, if you will, with the language that appears in some of our hymns. There's a great deal of ableist language. There's also a great deal of colonial-based language, and that is where this message comes from. I, I, I titled this message, Unpacking the P Word, and that could be any number of words, uh, especially in this day and age. It could be the word partisan could be the word patriarchy, the word power, possession, Puritan. But I wanted to go back to this word, pilgrim. And it's been a theme running throughout this service, it connects directly to our theme for the Fall of Travelers. Because this word appears in a number of hymns, specifically from the early 19th century, celebrating the Pilgrim Spirit. And there are a few, I, I don't have them handy, I don't want to get into deconstructing those songs, specifically. But there are a few that are making this reference, specifically about the journey of the English to this land, specifically. And there are others that are making that reference on a more Biblical level. But the two are closely related. There's no separating the two. So your basic definition, I'm going to give you some nuts and boltsy kind of stuff here, probably try not to get too boring with it. But you know, the basic definition of the word pilgrim is a traveler who is on a journey to a holy place. A traveler who is on a journey to a holy place. I want to go back to our young friend, who I don't believe is in the room anymore, who said a rainbow is a pilgrimage. I have to, I have to admit, I was quite impressed with that answer. There is a long history in literature, and humankind, of looking to rainbows. There's even a song. Look, look, look to the rainbow. Of looking to rainbows as a holy place, as holy inspiration. So, ten points for Gryffindor. (laughs) The reason this conversation about the P word, Pilgrim, matters, is in case you hadn't noticed, this congregation has some connection to that history. And some of you actually may not know that. I don't want to discount the fact that everyone in this room knows the history of First Parish in Cambridge um, and how far it, ba- go, it goes back. But I want everyone in this room and beyond, actually, to be really well prepared for the fact that in two years' time, 2020, there's going to be a uh, cataclysmic, um, convulsive... Uh, commemoration, if you will, I'm into alliteration today, um, of the landing of the Mayflower uh, on, uh, at Plymouth and of course in Provincetown before that. Um, and then this church celebrates its 390th anniversary three years later, because it was in 1630 that the people who ended up founding this place in 1633 arrived. We need to have an understanding of where we want to fit in this conversation, I gotta say. In an age where there is so much oppression and where voices of Native Americans or Native people of this land are silenced, ignored, etc we have a, I would say, an obligation as Unitarian Universalists to find a way to actively be in community with tribes that still exist and to ask them questions about how do we want to be in relationship. So today's P word is Pilgrim. To give you a little bit more historical background and context, the Pilgrims were actually this I'll go ahead and say radical separatist sect um, that was separated from the Church of England um, at a time when it wasn't such a good thing to be separating from the Church of England a lot of absolute power there they were actually more extreme than your run-of-the-mill Puritans who were seeking to purify the church from Catholic influence they wanted they didn't want the Protestant Church, which was the Anglican Church, the Church of England, that had all the pomp and circumstance, the hats and the incense and whatnot of the Catholic Church. They didn't want that. They wanted something simpler and more focused on the Word of God, focused on the Bible. That was where they were coming from. And so, this, you had your Puritans, and then you had your more extreme Puritans who were in a place called Scrooby in England. I love that name. Um, Then they sort of fled to the Netherlands, city called Leiden. And then on the way back they, they, were, they, they made a plan. They got, in, got into cahoots with uh, uh, the, the folks who put together a, a, a charter to hold land. That's a really, really clunky, simple way to put it, um, over here. And so they got in a boat. The Speedwell. <laughs> that was unworthy It was unseaworthy, and they got as far as, I think it was uh, Southampton, no, they got as far as Plymouth, excuse me, got as far as Plymouth, and they were like, we got to switch boats, and hence they ended up in the Mayflower, and then over here. What's really, really interesting about this whole thing is that they were seeking relief from oppression. They saw themselves as the most oppressed people in the land where they existed. And even though I am determined that we hold the importance of native people first and foremost in our consciousness, I don't want us to forget that this started with a bunch of people feeling oppression as well. And that manifested in their language, in the way they worshipped, in how they held onto their god at that time. It's related to the Adam and Eve story, being cast out of Eden, looking for Eden, trying to return to heaven on earth. It's reflected in the fixation that their early ministers had on the Exodus story. Time and again, they return to Exodus. They're inspired by the ancient Israelites and their journey to a promised land. John Winthrop, who was on the Arabella the ship that came in 1630. (laughs) There's a quote from him, it says that their goal was to be a beacon of religious light, a model of spiritual promise, a city on a hill. It's interesting to think about that word pilgrim and what it might have meant to those folks from England coming over here. I wonder if there's a better word or a word that would have served a little more humanely, if you will. Sojourner. A sojourner is a person who resides temporarily in a place. You've got Sojourner's Magazine. You've got Sojourner Truth. I love her original name, Isabella Baumfree. Then she changes her name to Sojourner Truth because she says, the spirit calls me and I must go. And so she was on a lifelong pilgrimage, motivated by the spirit, but sojourner. has a more gentle touch in many ways. But our pilgrim friends were looking for heaven on earth. This is captured in Pilgrim's Progr- Progress by John Bunyan. It's captured in many of the Journals shared by the early Puritans as well. Members of this church, founders of this church, talk about a pilgrimage, finding heaven on earth. But let me tell you the heaven that they came to was not heaven for the people who were here originally. To give you a little bit of uh, a context to this. This coast had been being explored by Europeans for a hundred years by that point, And this area, specifically by the French. When Samuel de Champlain came here in 1605, he determined that it would be impossible to set up a colony because it was so crowded with people who were already here there were a lot of folks, and they had a very, very complete culture. And he's like, yeah, no, we can't do that. But in his interactions back and forth, and in the interactions with the French, between the natives and the French, there was a group of French who were captured, and modern research is pointing to that group of French who were captured as being the beginning of the spread of plague. There were multiple diseases that were spread. A lot of it's pointing to the the rats that were on the ship, leptospirosis, but it destroyed the population of native people. So between 1616 and 1619, the population dropped by 90%. Those are the current estimates. So, this promised land that our Puritan and Pilgrim ancestors arrived at. When they arrived at Plymouth Plantation, they were like, oh, the carpet's been laid out for us. Corn's already been planted. Fields are already cleared. Well, it was because everyone had died. And we don't tell that part of the story. And I think we need to tell that part of the story, not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of respect reality. You might have heard of a native by the name of Squanto, Tisquantum, his full name. He actually had been captured by the French, sold as a slave to the Spanish, learned English in that mix, was brought back to this land, and became a translator for the English with the native tribes. And that Plymouth place, that was, oh, wow, it's all clear. That was actually one of his tribal homes. He was returning to the place where his people had died. And so I offer this all to you, again, not to depress you, not to bludgeon you with the history of this place, but to bring up another P word that I think will serve us extremely well as we head towards 2020, 2023, and 2033 when we are 400 years old. And that word is perspective. God's providence meant decimation for a different people. It's the difference between hubris and humility. I put here that hubris In this context, might be the travel as pilgrims, as they focused on their own journey, they were turned inward, believing that they were ordained for a special purpose by God, without considering the impact on anyone else. Versus humility, where one travels as a sojourner, and you touch the places that you encounter lightly, knowing that you're transient in this life and everywhere you go. The Puritans, as evidenced by the reading that I've done of their own own writing, believed they were right all the time. But should we, as the people who hold the legacy of that in the name of our churches and congregations, should we? As I see it, this, (laughs) this hubris is contained in some of the worst qualities of what this nation is showing right now. It was on full display last week, that's for sure. Violent capitalism, ethno-racism, isolationism, toxic masculinity, the arrogance of assumed correctness. And so I say, with tremendous hope, That our job as Unitarian Universalists is to use this theology that we have created, this beautiful context for radical love, to consider all perspectives. Let's activate this. Let's not let this be lazy. Let's say we actively want this world to engage all perspectives to resist rabid exceptionalism, and to cultivate a radical democracy of inclusion and empowerment. So as we move forward into these histories that we create, we can't forget the truth of the past. We should never use the word pilgrim lightly. And we must recall that there are those in this world who believe that their lives are not complete without a great journey of faith, whether that is to a place here on Earth or their concept of heaven. Many of us in this room are on a great journey of evolving faith at all times. As Unitarian Universalists who trace our religious history, directly back to European arrival in this region that was based on a journey of faith. I hope that we can also remember how the word pilgrim is understood by those who were taken advantage of and erased by the European pursuit of heaven on earth. Modern Unitarian Universalism calls on us to hold all of this. It's a wide-stretched embrace within our faith that reminds us that we have the capacity to be present to this complexity, the complexity of one person's ambition that becomes another's agony, to recognize this and in some small way seek reconciliation, knowing that this damage can never be undone or fully repaired. To quote John Winthrop again, For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill, the eyes of all people are upon us." And his speech is largely a reference to Micah from the Bible, in particular, chapter 4, verse 1. There it says, In the last days the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. And I say, rather than a city on a hill, let's be a beacon, leading the way to face and own this nation's original sin. May our travels always take us to places of creation, of connection, community, relationship, affirmation, authenticity, and away from destruction and displacement. Blessed be.